Have you ever heard a story that just made you feel, wow, I'm ready, I'm fired up? A story that captures everyone's attention and gets you to spread it to all your friends? Or how about a story that creates real impact and connection with the audience? Why do stories do this? And how can we create stories like this in business? I've been obsessed with figuring these questions out. I've been starting and failing multiple online businesses now for two years, struggling to find an audience I truly wanted to serve. It wasn't until I discovered my dream customers were struggling with these exact questions, except I didn't know where to find these people. I hopped on a plane to the US to attend a marketing conference that I met my dream customers and I saw firsthand how powerful stories really are. After that, I went all in on my hunch. If you're looking for the real secrets behind how stories can get your audience fired up to take action and to change their lives through your words, this podcast is for you. My name is Jules Dan and this is Storytelling Secrets. Hello there, this is Jules Dan here from Storytelling Secrets. Man, I'm really pumped for today's episode. Do you know why I'm really pumped? Because the person who I've quoted the most out of anyone on this podcast has been Pete Godfrey. And you know what? I got Pete, I, got, I have Pete Godfrey on the podcast today. Now, who is Pete? Pete is known as the Wizard of Words. All right, so he is a copywriter, consultant, coach, but he is way, way more than that. And um, he is one of Australia's most highest paid copywriters. And he has a really no BS attitude who offends some people, but really attracts the right sort of people. Um, he has a really, really interesting way of teaching copy that's just so so good now one of pete's major achievements that he's had recently is that um he's been able to have a sales letter sell over 20 million dollars in a business opportunity market and it was all story based that's why one of the reasons why i had to get him on the show and a little fun fact about pete is that he left school at 15 hit the road and he traveled throughout australia doing all these little bullcrap jobs along the way. And he didn't discover direct response copywriting until in his early 30s where he left his job, he started a kitchen uh, kitchen mail order business, started getting orders, quit his job, and then that's where his copywriting business started to take off. Now, today we're going to talk about stories, a whole bunch of stuff about stories and you know, common mistakes people are making um, some real tips for people for who are just getting started with stories and how to make your stories interesting but also sell. So brace yourselves. This is going to be a action-packed episode. So many gold nuggets. Get that notepad. Get that notepad. Get that pen ready. Um, there's going to be a whole bunch of gold dropped on this episode. I don't believe I've heard this from anywhere else and any other gurus on the mark in in the uh, marketing space. So you're in for a treat. Nah, you're cool, man. This is going to be fun. Let's it fun. is going to be fun. Pete, thanks for joining on my podcast today, Storytelling Secrets. You know, um, it's going to be, I talk about you on my podcast quite a lot, but um, I wanted you to sort of tell my guests a little bit about yourself and I guess the story of how you became Pete Godfrey and who he is doing right now. Well, it's great to be on the show, Julian. It's good to see young people getting into stories. Um, me, I, I was a rebel without a clue till I was about 30. I left school when I was 15. Uh, hit the road, travelled all around Australia, et cetera, et cetera, doing BS jobs. Um, and I got to about 30, had, a, had, a, had my um, son was born and, 
and I really knew I had to get my my shit together, and um, I was sick of being an underachiever. So um, I started uh, started to discover the wonderful world of uh, direct response marketing, and basically I just started up a kitchen table mail order business. Um, this was totally offline back then as well. Started selling information uh, products. Um, very, very humble beginnings too, man. Uh, my first product was how to make money at flea markets because that's all I knew how to do on the weekends. And um, that started to really sell. Um, and the fascinating thing about this, Julian, this world that we're living in, it's brilliant and even better now. But, you know, I wrote the ad for the product. I wrote the sales letter that sold the product and I wrote the product itself. And the next minute, people were sending me money, you know, and that's that really is a beautiful thing, and and you can't go back. Um, and basically, back then, that first order was on a fax machine. I don't know if you know what a fax machine is, Julian. No, I still remember. That's like a a relic back in the nineties. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was so cool. It was the the old top, uh, old type uh, had a cylinder in it, so it took about two minutes to print out. So when that fax went off for that first order, Julian, my wife and I ran into the bedroom, that's where my office was, and it just slowly came out, and there was the guy's name, his address, his credit card number, um, buying that product, and, and I haven't looked back. So about two years into doing that, uh, lots of other marketers started to see my ads, they started to send away from my sales letters, not that they were interested in making money um, from flea markets, so they were interested in who I am and to see what my copy was like, etc. Mm -hmm. And then people are, um, started to tell me, you know, uh, started to ask me, hey, can you do my copy for me? And I said, sure, you know. And back then, I, I really didn't even know how much to charge or anything like that. Um, I think the first sales letter I wrote for someone else was back, back in 2002. Um, I think I only charged him 400, 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. um, and that was all story driven, that sales letter, man. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a snoring device and it was just a story uh, written in the wife's, um, um, you know, it was all her perspective, how, how she couldn't sleep with the husband, et cetera, et cetera, and he had to sleep on the lounge and stuff like that. And that that letter it was only four pages, sold about a half a million bucks worth of um, of these anti-snoring devices in about six months, just by little ads in the paper, and then they sent away for the sales letter. Yep. So, and and that's when I really knew the power of stories, my friend. Yeah. Um, by telling that story, and um, it's a beautiful thing because people will buy into your story. So when you're writing that sales letter, when did you sort of catch on to, oh, maybe I should try and use a story inside of my sales letter? It, 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 was, it was there right from the word go, mate, because I, I'd written a lot of sales letters for myself. Mm -hmm. And I found out the more I injected my story into my sales letters, telling them how, how I, I work 40 or 50 hours through the week as a yep. laborer, then on the weekends make money, um, the, the more people could relate to me because they were doing the same thing. They put themselves into my story. 
and you know, back in back in those days, those business opportunity uh, magazines, they always had this dude in a tuxedo with a Rolls Royce behind him, and then this castle in the background. And he's selling yep. this overpriced business. That guy. <laughs> that that guy. He's the guy you don't invite to parties, man. Um, They're still like, on Facebook, you know. With but instead, you know, you, you see the um the rented out rolls and the Ferraris. And then it's kind of funny because in the background, sometimes they don't have the house that matches. Um, but yeah, it's still, yeah. still going on in these days. Well, well I actually brought that in, into, uh, into my sales copy. Uh, I said, look, I don't own a tux- tuxedo or Rolls Royce and I don't live in a mansion. However, I do know how to make a thousand bucks every weekend at flea markets. So the more mm-hmm. I told and more I was truthful and the more I let them in on who I was, yeah. the, the more I sold. Okay. So when it come time to do that snoreband um, sales letter, I just talked to the couple and she just told me the story. She said, yeah, we, we found this product. It stopped his snoring, so we become distributors. Can you write a sales letter? And I, uh, and I just asked her a few questions. What was it like with him snoring? And then she went off and told me for about 10 minutes, you know. And she even mentioned how, how you know, the love life sort of, sort of stopped because he was sleeping on the lounge. So I even put that into the sales letter as well, man, how it was no way to have a marriage with your husband, you know. And when he got, actually got back into the bedroom, when he was cured, Julian, Yep. Uh, I wrote this really tasteful paragraph um, how how she said she didn't realise how much she missed the intimacy of a true marriage. You know, and it was very some, tasteful. Uh, yeah, it was it's, very it's tasteful. Some good stuff. And yeah, man. Mate, that, that is a, that's a really good segue on a question I wanted to have. So one of the things you always mention is um, before you write a single word of copy, before you even start your stories, is that you have to get to know your market really well. And what you just did is that you just gave a little nugget saying that I went and spoke to these people and got them to tell their stories. Now, my question to you is, because Kennedy talks about in Ultimate Sales that are, uh, there's some like, 10 things you got to know before you write a word of copy, what the language they use, what are they staring at the ceiling at, sweating at night, what are they thinking to themselves, what gets them angry. How would someone, you know, get on a conversation, a phone call, an interview with a success client and get that information out of them? Because sometimes it's not so easy to just ask what makes you angry? What are your secret desires? What are you staring at the ceiling at night? Um, how do you sort of like get that gold out without being so confronting? Yeah, well, you know, yeah, like what keeps you up at night, you know, worrying, you know, a lot of people aren't going to tell you that. But if you no. just keep, if you just keep on digging deeper, a lot of times a client will tell you the whole story, and then you just ask good questions, okay? But when you first ask a question, a lot of times people will only answer um, in the way that they think you want to hear, okay? But if you keep on digging, if you keep on digging, they'll finally reveal the real answers. But that, that comes back, you know, it's 101 marketing that a lot of people, you know, dismiss because, oh, yeah, you've got to know your market. But, you know, um, that's where the money is. Your market has the answers. The, your market has the stories. Um, and that's why, you know, you, you've done my telling stories for Fun and Profit course, man. It's and, good thing. And, you, know, you know, I talk about the tension and discovery model. Uh, and this is for your listeners, you know, if you want to write a great story, 
it's what I call the tension and discovery model. And, and it's, it's a brilliant way um, to, to get people into your story. Um, you know, you go on a, you've got a problem, there's a lot of tension there, you've got a problem you've got to solve, you go on the journey to find the solution to the problem, you, you meet roadblocks, you know, et cetera, et cetera, until finally you get the discovery and the discovery is the product that you're selling, okay? And, and because people have got into your story, they're going through the same tension and problems that you had, that you've solved, so they can see themselves in your story. Because that's one thing, man, and you know it yourself, Julian, um, you know, a lot of stories I see, they're so me-driven, they forget about the audience, mm. okay? And um, here's, a, here's a good tip for, you, for your listeners, man. You know, um, all those years ago before I started writing copy, I started writing copy about 20 years ago, but before that, I studied short story writing, um, you know, and, and one of my uh, teachers said something to me that, that really had a big impact uh, on the way I tell my stories, the way I do my copy. And she basically said, Pete, your stories are great, However, you've got to make the personal universal, okay? And what she meant by that was my story becomes their story, okay? Your personal struggles, your thoughts and emotions revealed in your stories must be expressed in a universal way so they connect with the reader. So, so your reader actually feels he's experiencing your story. Mm -hmm. Okay, because a lot of times when I see, especially on social media, you know, everyone puts, it's like a big therapy session, man. You know, it, <laughs> it's just one big personal story that they just spew, spew up on Facebook. Getting and, a weight off their shoulders in a way, but like it's not strategic, not, there's no objective in the end of mind of that story. Not really. No, no yeah. exactly, man. So you've got to make the personal universal. Make it so your story becomes their story, okay? And, and as, as I always say, every story that you write must have a strategic objective. You know, you, you just don't throw up stories just because you wanna have a therapy session. You don't throw up stories just, for the, just to get likes. There's gotta be some strategic objective to every story that you reveal, okay? Mm -hmm. So I want to um, leapfrog off that. So really being able to make that story universal, like you said, comes back to, like you said, getting to know your market 101, really understanding who they are. Now, I'm going to pull you up on this because on your podcast, you, you, you sort of just skim over the details as to like how you would get to know your market. My audience would love to really understand what are some of your trade secrets for getting to know your market so you can make that story universal. Well, this is why I don't write um, much copy to markets that I don't know, mm -hmm. okay? Because over the years, there are certain markets that I've got, that I've written to successfully time and time again, that I've got all this, I've got all this ammunition, man. I know their fears, frustrations, wants, needs, and desires. I know the conversations they're having, okay? Um, but the, the, the best way, is to actually talk to the people in your market, talk to these people. Now, if you can't do that face to face, there's, you know, the, 
a shortcut is to get inside a Facebook group that you that you're selling to. Definitely. It's, a, it, it, it's a, you know that's one hundred one stuff. But s- spend time in there, listen, read between the lines of the answers that they're giving, and the frustrations, and take note of those frustrations because a lot of times, a lot of times to get someone's attention, you, you've got to you've got you've got to hit them with that problem straight up. You got to you got to hit them with that that anxiety. See, a lot of people are walking around with this this anxiety in the pit of their stomach. Now, if you hit them with that, start off with, and then offer them solution, you've you've hooked them right from the word go. So, so, so for me, I always used to tell my students to go to bars. If you're selling to people who drink at pubs, go and sit in the bar and and, and open up your eyes. You know, what are these people talking about? You know, what are their problems? If if you're selling to uh, the every man in the street, you, you've got to watch what they're watching. Like if you're selling to people, for, uh, working class people, 40 or, or over or something, you've got to tune into those um, current affair programs and, and stuff like that uh, on the old TV and see what the stories are. You'll see the same stories getting repeated all the time. Now, it's very painful for me to sit through 30 minutes of that crap yeah, you know, because it's all victim mentality stuff, and you can't let yourself be infected by it. But you've got to understand what they're thinking and, and what and what they're consuming, what's getting thrown at them that they're believing. Okay, so it's a long way to answer your question, man. But the more you get to know your market, the longer that you serve that market, because it's all about serving, the better you'll understand them, and the bigger that your file will grow. You know, and 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 also, you know, listen to the questions they're asking you um, before they they're buying. What are the you know all those questions you've got to have uh, an answer to, you know, because they're just objections. Those questions that you haven't solved mm-hmm. in, in in your sales piece. So this is vital information. So so whenever I. Uh, do a promotion or something, you know, as the months go by, we're getting more and more feedback that we can tweak that copy with. Hey, so it's a lot better based on that feedback because these are the real world questions people are asking. Okay. Yeah. Yep. But, but hey, just one thing before we move on. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It was told to me many years ago, empathy is your number one skill to have, number one trait that you can possess empathy for your market if you've got no em- empathy very hard to pull that off okay so if you if you truly got empathy for someone that you're selling to you'll 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 put the time in to actually get to know them so you can serve them better yeah totally and i really love this because especially if someone's starting out and they're looking for that magic pill for how do i really understand my market what software do i buy really there's it's nothing you really outsource like you said you need to show empathy you need to be able to go in those groups either interact with them talk with them get to really know them um especially if you've got no customers at the start you've got to start somewhere so um really good point that you brought up there about having to really just feel what they're feeling and pull it out of them in a sense. The, the thing, the reason why my first sales that I ever wrote back in 2000 or wherever it was selling that flea market course, the reason why it worked and the reason why it kept on working better was one, I was the market. 
See, I wasn't offering a business opportunity that was going to make them rich. I was offering a way that they can make a, an extra 500 or 1000 bucks every weekend. You still mm -hmm. work through the week. I was one of those people. So I knew them. And the reason why I continued to work even better was because I kept on listening to the feedback that I was getting. And I just kept on putting that into it. And I kept on adding more of my story. So they knew I was real. I wasn't trying to pretend to be that dude in the tarks. I wasn't the dude in the tarks, you know. So, so, it, it, so if you're starting out, and 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 if you're one of them, um, you know that already, yeah, it already puts you uh, ahead of a lot of other people trying to sell them. And then you tell your story in a universal way, so that they can see themselves in your story. That's right. But it's also like what you mentioned. What a lot of people mentioned, and it's dangerous to assume what your problems are, are they going to be universal problems? So always, you know, double check to make sure that, that, you know, other people also feeling that way too. Yeah. Well, the problems I talked about in my first letter was, you know, um, you know, I brought it up here. You can work all week and you still got bills to pay. There's nothing left. Mm -hmm. You know, so this is what I do. Okay. And, and, you know, so I was, I was getting right into the conversation that they're already having in their minds hey so as collier said you know end of the conversation they're already taking place in their minds so if you if you hit them at that point if you hit them where they're at you've got a good chance of bonding with them connecting with them ultimately selling them all that good stuff exactly now let's shift gears a bit uh pete so i want to ask a question so of course, I want to ask a question. Um, <laughs> one of the best things that I find as a as a beginner is not necessarily being told what to do, but not what to do, but what not to do. So, like, what are you seeing? Some bad advice or things gurus are teaching that are just not good for a beginner when they're starting to learn how to use stories inside of the sales message. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know if it's the gurus, but a lot of people. A lot of people want to get to the advanced before they do the basic. You know, um, they're, they're always after the new. They're always after the some new advanced hack, some some new advanced thing or software or technology mm -hmm. or, or whatever. But, you know, you've got to master the basics of, of emotional direct response marketing before you can move forward. And, 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 and a book that uh, uh, Kennedy's old ultimate marketing plan i mean that's about 20 30 years old he updates it every five years or so but you know i speak to a lot of people you know and they haven't even read that you know that, that they've got no foundation julian you know they're, they're, they're trying all their things tweaking their ads you know um they've joined 150 groups on facebook that they never take advantage of they're running around try, trying to build this thing, but they haven't got the foundation in place. Mm. So my advice would be go back, go back, study some of the masters and then, and then start moving forward. Because when I started, you know, it, I made sure I had a thorough education in, in, in what direct response marketing was all about. Okay. Um, I, you know, my library's full of the, the, the old school masters. Um, and because here's the thing, you know, get grounded in principles. 
of persuasion, you know, in principles of marketing. Don't don't get caught up in the techniques to start with, you know, because the principles don't change. You know, um, the principles of human psychology don't change from one generation to, to another. Our behaviours may change a bit, like these days, people wake up and the first thing they do is look at their phone as beside the bed, you know, their behaviour changes a bit, but the psychology there behind all their actions is still the same. It hasn't changed for years, man. So um, long way to answer your question, but the, the, the more you understand people and the more you, you, you empathise with people, the better, the better you will be at telling your stories, making sales, and actually uh, having an impact on people. Because that's, you know, apart from the money, you know, you know, and I still never get sick of it. You know, when um, people send you an email or, or comment, uh, send you a message or whatever, saying, "Hey, man, you know, Pete, you know, this really had a profound effect on me." Yep. Yep. Okay. I can't agree more with you, Pete, because um, just exactly what you're saying. You can't build a house on a foundation of sand. It's got to be a solid foundation, and. Even if you're not wanting to be a direct response copywriter, uh, I think anyone who's interested in telling stories, like you said, needs to be able to understand those persuasion principles. And going back through all the old classics like Kennedy, Sugarman, I'm sure you've got a dozen other more, but they really help solidify what it takes to really persuade people. And that one, there's this one sentence persuasion thing that you said from Blair Warren. I'm using it now in a lot of my content is that people do anything who encourage their dreams, justify their failures, allay their fears, confirm their suspicions and help them throw rocks at their enemies. Now that one line is you see that in any really good sales story and you can highlight exactly where they are and it just, all the pieces start to come together. Yeah. And um, with me, I've added the sixth one to that, you know, is target the angst, you know, and, and um, with those six things, you can't get that, that into one Facebook post, but you know, you can you can pick one or two for each one that mm. you're gonna that you're gonna use, and uh, man, like we're living in such a a great time um, where you, you perfect the art of storytelling uh, and telling your stories and, and making those posts that engage people. It's so easy to build a tribe of raving fans these days than it was when I started. You know, and you know, I I, I and it's always interesting to me seeing newcomers. Um, it's like they've come from nowhere, but you know, and they're starting to build these tribes, and I think it's fantastic. Um, but the main thing they've got in common is they're all telling their stories. Some are a bit rough, but I've noticed with some, you know, you can see them growing from year to year, and, and they're getting more confidence as well. Yeah, because you know, it does take a bit of balls, a bit of confidence to 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 get your message out that out there but just keep in mind uh if you are a bit fearful about sharing your message um just realize that, that they're not thinking about you okay it's about them they're, they're, they're so consumed and self-absorbed that you know you know and and who cares if, if, if someone says something smart ass to you if they're trolling you or something like that i mean who cares man you know and and once you've built a tribe too they'll come to your defense as well and that's a beautiful thing 
lot of times you don't even have to reply, you know, because your tribe, you know, they, they've gotten to know you, like and trust you through your stories, man. Uh, when I used to do a lot of seminars a few years back, uh, I, I had a printed and paid newsletter for about 11 or 12 years that went out every month in the mail and people paid to get that every month. And, and as you would expect, uh, you know, I shared a lot of stories. And when I, at my seminars and stuff, you know, I'd have my subscribers coming up to me, repeating those stories to me. Mm-hmm. Now, once your tribe starts repeating those stories back to you, um, that's a beautiful thing because you know that they're listening, they got it. And, um, you know, you notice with me too, man, that yeah. when I, te- I, I teach in stories because no one likes a preacher. No one likes just pure how to, you know, we can get how to via Google, you know, what they're buying, you know. So I wrap a lot of my lessons in a story because that way it'll get remembered it'll get read and remembered, you know, and, and people will actually have a good time uh, consuming your stuff, you know, because it's yep. all about consumption, you know, do they consume your information or just buy it and forget about it? So you notice with my telling stories for fun and profit course, Julian, that you actually invested in, you know, a lot of the, a lot of those lessons I'm teaching, it's all, it's all story based. You know, I'll tell a story of how I use this particular lesson, you know, and then I give you an example of that particular lesson so you can use it yourself. Um, so stories isn't just for isn't just for building a tribe. It's about, um, you know, it, it should be a part of your teachings as well. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And um, touching on that point with your telling stories for fun and profit, if anyone's listening to this and want to get better at storytelling, definitely go check that out. Um, I remember there was one section in there. Um, I think it should be a good way to wrap up our conversation. That is how do you actually get better at telling stories by looking at old fiction novels? Uh, remember you using um, different techniques like foreshadowing and looking at how some of the masters use um, that sort of style of writing in the stories and how you can get better for it yourself. So um, we'd love to hear sort of some suggestions you might have for my audience, Pete. Well, look, man, you've you got to read fiction. Um, that's, that's my first advice. And, um, and, and, but also read on two levels and see what they're doing. Because here's the thing. No one wants to read your post or listen to your, your, your post or whatever. No one wants to do that. They want the payoff. So I learned very, early on that every time they're you know they may read a paragraph and then they're just about to go but you've got to pull them back in you know and that's what i call my al pacino click you know you know you've got to pull them back in Mm -hmm. so there's a variety of ways i do that you might have an open loop at the start you know you might have some foreshadowing little did i know um the shit was going to hit the fan you know whatever um you know, the Al Pacino click, you know, um, we, we, uh, we quickly ask them a question to pull them back in. Cliffhangers, if you're writing a series of stuff, always end on a cliffhanger. Like, I, I, I grew up, you know, in the, in, the, in the 70s and 80s, they had all those old TV shows, man. And uh, even the old Batman shows and shit like that, they'd always yeah. end on a cliffhanger. So you'd come back the next day. Okay, so... 
so the biggest lesson for your audience, man, is they don't want to read a word of what you've written, but they will if you make it entertaining and they will if you keep pulling them back in, okay? So that's my advice. Just keep, keep that in your head. They don't want to read this stuff, but they're gonna. Hey. Yeah, exactly. They don't want to read your, your blog post. They want to listen to your podcast. It's all about them, just like you've been saying, Pete. And I can't thank you enough for coming onto my show today. I mentioned you quite a lot in some of my early episodes, especially when it comes to all those persuasion principles. Oh, if there's you. any, Oh, no problem. So if there's anything you'd like to um, share with my audience, um, go for it. But otherwise, you know, thanks for coming on to Storytelling Secrets. It was a pleasure, man. If people want to know anything about me, just go to PeteGodfreyShow.com. That's where I've got my, my uh, Pete Godfrey Persuasion Show podcast. Uh, there's 170-something shows up there, and we're getting back into it in February as well, so there'll be more. So just head on over to PeteGodfreyShow.com. Nothing to sign up for. It's all free. And Julian, thanks for having me on, man. It's been, it's been a buzz. Mate, no problem. Thanks so much for coming on, Pete. All right, all right. So thank you for tuning into Storytelling Secrets. You should go definitely check out Pete Godfrey's Persuasion Show podcast. Uh, all about things, copywriting, storytelling, uh, how to build your tribe with influence. Uh, I, I kid you not, it is one of the most binge-worthy podcasts I've listened to for a while. And not because of the content, but just the way he delivers it with his his co-host, Um He's got some humor to it, so it actually makes it a good listening experience as well, um, not just dry facts all the time. So that's it for this week. Can't wait to have you back on for Monday. Monday is going to be part two of me deconstructing the sales letter that Pete wrote that brought in $2 million in sales. So I hope I can see you then on Monday. Otherwise, have a good weekend. See you later.